Straight from Music City, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians. This podcast called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians, focuses on changing the perception of school librarians, improving instructional practices, being a collaborative partner, and essentially just great library talk. I'm Stephanie Hamm, the Director of Library Services for Metro Nashville Public Schools, and I will be your host today. Happy 2020, everyone! I know I've probably said it a hundred times on this podcast, but what I love about education is you get two fresh starts, the beginning of the school year and the start of a new year. I spend a few days before the new year and a few after reflecting on the past year. I look at my journals, my to-do list, my past goals, and reflect. First, I look at accomplishments, but I've accomplished both personally and professionally in the year. I think as humans and in this world where we see perfection on Twitter and Instagram, we forget all the good things that you have done. So be sure to take time to celebrate all those good things. However, I would be lying if I didn't say that I think about all the things that should be improved as well. What are some of the goals for myself, my family, my career? What is 2020 going to look like for me? I write them down and share them. I make my husband do the same. Actually, I wouldn't make anybody do do it with me. If you want to, let me know. I think it probably drives him nuts and probably my friends as well. But seriously, I like to take the time for a fresh start, which is why I asked Heather West to be on our episode today. Heather has worked in MMPS for 13 years, all at Glencliff Elementary, where she did her student teaching as an undergrad student at Vanderbilt. Heather's teaching experience is in kindergarten and first grade, but she found a love for all elementary grade levels in her role as a librarian for the last eight years. Heather is a mom to a six-year-old boy, Sawyer, and has recently enjoyed introducing him to the Harry Potter series. Heather is an avid reader, mostly of the mystery genre, and has read every book recommended by Reese Witherspoon. When she isn't working, reading, and doing mom duties, she loves to cook and travel. In this episode, we discuss her reluctance to do maker spaces. It's a great story and it has a happy ending. Having a clerkless library, setting goals, and how to find your passion in the new year. There's so much good advice and quotes from Heather in this episode. She even shares her favorite quote by Steve Martin, which is, be so good they can't ignore you. I can't wait for you guys to listen, take notes, and get motivated for the new year. I know that I am. So, without further delay, enjoy this episode of Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. Welcome back, everyone. Heather, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. So, we're going to hop in. Um, The first question I have for you is, can you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Yes. So, I have been in education for the last 13 years, and I've actually been lucky to be at the same school for all 13 years um, at Glencliff Elementary. I did my student teaching there when I was a senior at Vanderbilt. Um, Go doors. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, I was just lucky to get hired on that next school year. I taught kindergarten and first grade for about five years. And then um, luckily got was able to move into the library role after I got my master's in library science. So I've been there for about eight years in the library. And you lived through a renovation, too. Yes, I did. And that was super exciting. So I feel like enough changes have happened that I feel 
like um, the job has stayed fresh. I don't really feel complacent because I've been at the same school. I've had different administration and our staff changes. We're now a STEAM magnet school with an entrepreneurship theme. So things are constantly changing, um, but I've been happy every year. Well, and her library is really beautiful. So any MMPS librarians, if you haven't been out to Glencliff Elementary, make sure that you guys um, set that up with Heather. The next question I always get everyone like, I hate this question, but I love this question. (laughs) So what's your favorite book? Yeah, I am terrible at answering any favorite anything. (laughs) (laughs) And asking a librarian their favorite book is so hard. But I was thinking about, as a child, like the book that really opened up reading for me was The Giver. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was in like fourth or fifth grade when I read it. And I think that was like one of the first books that I just really loved. And even to this day, like I'm still really into reading dystopian YA books. That was the first one in that sort of genre that I read. And so it will always just have a place in my heart. I love that. I actually, that's so funny because it's still so popular now because I just sent an email to all the middle school librarians because I've had some schools request class sets. So, I mean, it is still so relevant. Lois Lowry, you have everyone's heart. Okay, so the next question is, what is a normal morning like for Heather West? Well, luckily I am a morning person, which is really good working in an elementary school since I have to be there um, by 7.45. I usually wake up around 6. Um, I have a 6-year-old son who goes to another school, so it's kind of a rat race in the morning trying to get both of us ready and out the door. I drop him off at school, and then I head to Glencliff, but I get there and this year my mornings have been calmer. Um, in the past, I've helped do the morning announcements. We do live broadcast news format, but this year, um, as we'll talk about later, I no longer have a library clerk anymore. So one of my big asks was to kind of get a couple things taken off my plate and that was one of the things I asked for so that I can be in the library first thing in the morning to open up. And that's been very helpful because, yeah. Well, let's, we'll come back to the next question that we were going to do. So let's Mm -hmm. just kind of talk about that one. So you started the year without a library clerk. This is Mm -hmm. the first time you've had a part-time, sometimes, some years it's been full-time, sometimes part-time. So can you tell listeners some of the changes that you had to make? Because I think this is a real issue that people face, not just in MMPS, but across, um, across the country. Yes. And I knew the day was coming because I kept hearing of all these other librarians that were losing their clerks. So every year that I had one, I was just like so happy, um, that I held on as long as I did. Um, but my school has about 600 students and we have about, um, 2000 to 3000 books circulated a month. So, we're pretty busy. Um, luckily, I do. I don't have a full-time clerk, but I do have somebody who usually shelves books for about two hours a day mm-hmm. for me, which is a huge blessing, which is great. But he often gets pulled for other things, so right. it's not. I can't count on it the way I used to count on my clerk to be there every day and help with checkout. So um, one of the biggest things I did this year is I fully embraced self-checkout and check-in. So I now have two self-check-in stations and two self-checkout stations. And I've trained all the kids when they come in, they scan their book to check it in. They put it on the cart that's right there. And then after they choose their books, they go and they use self-checkout. And it's actually been a lot easier than I thought it would. Um, And you use this even for your kindergartners. 
Yes. Kindergarten, I still sometimes have to like hop up and help them. But kindergarten came like whole group for a really long time Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year. So they eased into it a little bit more. But it hasn't been too bad. The biggest problem I found is as I'm sending home like overdue notices, a lot of the books are in fact in our library, but they just didn't get scanned in properly. So that's been one of the biggest biggest challenges with it. Um, for open checkout, when the students come in and do that, that's very helpful because I don't have to be tied to my desk. And then secondly, I set up a schedule, which I call teacher-led checkout. And every single um, ELA class because we are departmentalized in some of our grade levels. So every ELA class has like a 30-minute block throughout the week, and it's kind of a use-it-or-lose-it block, so I don't force them to come. But I say, okay, you know, um, Tuesday at 9 o'clock is your time to bring your whole class if you want to. And then I showed all the teachers how to use the self-checkout and check-in station. They even know how to log in if I'm not there, how to pull up the website. I've got the directions right there. So, for example, when I'm here right now, there's probably going to be a class that will still come, Mm -hmm. and they can use the library, and they can do check-in and check-out. And so I have about um, a little over half of my teachers that use it every single week, and that's helped. It's helped kind of cut down on the amount of kids that are just coming in randomly, Mm -hmm. and it hasn't affected my circulation in a negative way at all. I actually think my circulation has increased this year. Well, that, I mean, that's really interesting because I think as we go through library school and standard up, if you make a fixed schedule, if mm-hmm. you're a fixed schedule, almost a, a sense of failure. Mm-hmm. And it, it is not a sense of failure. Mm-hmm. You just have to find whatever schedule works right. best for your school because right. every school is so different. And what I like about mine, because it's somewhat fixed, but I don't have to be involved in the process. So I told my teachers from day one, if I'm in the library and I'm available, I will help you when you bring in your whole class. And, and I do that, especially when kids you know the little message pops up like you can't check this out or whatever and I need to look up their account for some reason but at the same time a lot of times I'm teaching a class Mm -hmm. while the teacher brings in their whole class and they know like I'm not going to be helping you at all so I think the biggest danger with fixed schedule with checkout especially is it makes the librarian not as easily available for teaching Mm -hmm. and this was sort of a happy medium um and it's gotten crazy before. I mean, I've had like a class I'm teaching. And then one time I, one teacher came, she re- rescheduled her time. So I had two classes at the exact same time <laughs> doing teacher-led checkout. And um, it got really crazy, but we managed. <laughs> you made it through it. Yes. So it sounds like just being upfront with your schedule, talking mm-hmm. to your administrator. I mean, you mm-hmm. kind of mentioned, you know, needing to take some things off your plate mm-hmm. because you didn't have that flexibility of having someone in the library right. all the time. Right. Yes. And, um. We actually came to your school this year for the Makerspace tour, and you shared your journey of starting your Makerspace. And I just really thought it was really, like, wholesome and honest um, with the group. So I was hoping you could share it with um, our listeners, too. So I admitted that I didn't fully embrace the Makerspace um, movement right away. I thought it was great for everyone else (laughs) except for me and my library because I, you know, I'm a progressive librarian, but I also just really, really love books and feel one of my major duties as a librarian is to expose my students to high quality literature and cultivate a love of reading. So I saw makerspaces as taking away from time to do that because I thought it was just like coding and really turning into science and technology. And I'm just, 
I'm not a science and technology person. So a couple years ago, I did buy some materials and I bought like little bits and things like that. The things I thought I had to get for a makerspace, a makey makey. And then I just like never really used it because I didn't have the passion for it. I did use them some, but not the way I should. Um, and so now with my school becoming a STEAM magnet school, we are embracing the maker culture in all areas of the school. So this year when I was thinking, okay, I've really got to utilize my maker space. I've got to make it work for me and my school. I've decided, at least for now, my baby step into it is taking a more of a low-tech approach to maker spaces. So I have a lot of like arts and crafts supplies. I have tons of popsicle sticks, cotton balls, pipe cleaners. I have a lot of Legos and magnetiles and very low-tech items that I use in challenges that revolve around a book. The other thing I did was I decided I'm not going to add to my plate. I'm just going to look at what do I traditionally teach every year and how am I going to put a maker spin on it. So for example, I always do lessons revolving around Hispanic Heritage Month. So this year for each grade level, I chose my book that I was going to do, that I was going to reach them. And then I came up with a maker challenge that went along with the book. And sometimes it's a stretch, but the kids don't know that it's a stretch. So they think it's just great. Like, But it really is that great. She's not oh. talking herself up as well as she should. So, for example, with first grade, I used the book, What Can You Do With a Rebozo by Carmen Tafoyo. And a rebozo is a scarf um, in Spanish. So I gave the students, after we read the book, I gave them just a piece of fabric some tape and scissors. And I told them that their challenge was to make the longest scarf that they could. We would see which group made the longest scarf. And um, it was really neat. It was very eye-opening to me that the students really struggled with it. So I gave them like a rectangular piece of fabric and some of them just kind of cut it into a bunch of little pieces and then taped it back together (laughs) and they would make like little gaps in between the tape or they would make long pieces of tape to sort of make it a little bit longer but there was only a few groups that realized you needed to cut it lengthwise Uh and then tape all those um, strips together to make it really long. Um, well, that you kind of talk about it there, like how they really struggle with it. And you have that really cool chart that's in your yes, library. Can yes, you tell yeah. everyone about that? So I made an accountability uh, or accountable talk anchor chart for my makerspace that I go over with all the classes when they come for a lesson in the makerspace and um, I just kind of put up some sentence frames for the sort of things that you would say when you're working with other people because unfortunately our traditional classroom just doesn't lend itself to as much group work anymore and just these open-ended creative challenges the students just sort of struggle with it a little bit like what do I do and especially group work like a lot of times you find one student is doing all the work and the other students are just kind of sitting there so I put up these sentence frames like what is your idea or maybe we could and we go over it before every single lesson so the kids are familiar with these are the sort of things I should be talking about with my group we talk about dividing up the work and making sure everybody is doing something and um, as I walk around I do hear the kids using some of those sentence mm-hmm. frames and I think it's really taught them how to work together more 
more effectively. Oh, I love that. And I, the thing I love most about makerspaces is there's not one model for mm-hmm. how it has to look. And I do think it's very easy to get caught up in the whole, mm-hmm. the t- whole tech part of it. And obviously, like, I love technology, but mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be the only way to go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some schools spend so much time on technology, they mm-hmm. lose some of that hands-on, right. like the scarf. So yes. makerspaces are just great for making yeah. it whatever you want it to be. Right. And we're very lucky at Glencliff. We have a technology teacher in the specials rotation, and she does a lot of those kind of tech tech projects with them like she uses coda pillars mm-hmm. and stuff like that so that also kind of took off the pressure for me because I know the kids are getting exposed to it somewhere so I didn't feel as bad if I'm not using those materials all the time so I'm gonna kind of transition and anyone who knows me mm-hmm. knows that I love setting goals I mean it's probably mm-hmm. like a, some sort of like addiction um, <laughs> and the new year is my favorite time mm-hmm. so since this podcast although we're recording it in December it's going to go mm-hmm. live in January right. uh, can you share with listeners how you goal set professionally yeah I like goals too <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be a trend in librarianship yes. well it's great being an educator because you get like two new years yes. a year so always fresh starts and then sometimes even like just a new semester brings a fresh start which is what I love so in setting goals gosh I just try to think about um, what are the needs of my school I've really tried to focus more over the past couple of years on our data and, you know, like how well our students are performing on the standardized tests with reading, what skills do they need reinforced more, how can I insert myself into that instruction, and how can I provide supports to the teachers in that way. Um, so I've become more data-driven, which I think is great. Um, I usually do ask the teachers, you know, what can I do better to serve you? What ideas do you have for this next semester or next school year? What projects do you have coming up? And I'm just always tweaking things. You know, if I if I notice that something's not working with self-checkout or whatever, I will just make a change on the fly and... Um, I think you just have to be adaptable. You don't have to wait until a new year or a new week. You can just change things um, when it's needed. So real talk, and I think this is really prevalent in education right now, having these conversations. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we talk about it on this podcast. You and I both have talked about burnout, and it happens, Mm -hmm. and it's it's real. Education Mm -hmm. is hard, regardless if you're in the classroom, a school counselor, Mm -hmm. librarian, principal. So I know that you, the reason why I knew that we could talk about this is you had mentioned wanting to do a presentation for school librarians on this. (laughs) So what advice do you have for folks that might be feeling in a rut professionally? Well, I will say, first of all, embrace the challenges. Um, Try to have a positive outlook. So for example, I really feel like losing my clerk got me out of my rut this year because I had just become a bit of a backseat librarian. Like, she handled a lot of the checkout. I wasn't interacting with the kids as much in the check-in and check-out process and the book selection as I really should have. I was able to do a little bit more instructionally, but, you know, I just sort of gave a lot of the heavy lifting to her. And 
I found when I realized, okay, I'm not going to have a clerk anymore. How am I going to change everything? It did sort of rejuvenate me. It put me more at the forefront of the library with the kids, like, because I'm, I'm the only one in there now. You know, mm-hmm. there's nobody else. So <laughs> I feel like that just sort of made me also have to shift, you know, how am I doing things? So that just brought a fresh start in terms of the self-check-in and check-out, the teacher-led check-out. It just kept things new and different in the library. Um So I think with burnout, you know, sometimes we get burned out because we're not happy with the way things are going. We feel like we don't have control over the situation, but I just would challenge librarians to think about how can I turn this possible negative, like the lemon, into the lemonade, and how can I put a different spin on things and make this work for me and my school and better serve my students. Um, And also just remembering your why. Why did you get into this profession? What are your um, successes? I have a note on my bulletin board at work that I got from a student a couple years ago. And she was graduating from fourth grade and leaving our school. And she just wrote like, um, you know, thank you for being such a good librarian. She said something so simple, but she said, without you, I wouldn't know where the Harry Potter books are. (laughs) You know, to me, I'm like, that's not that big of a deal. But to her, it was enough Mm -hmm. to write me a note about it. So I just keep that on my bulletin board and try to remember, like, you never know which student you're impacting, what they're going to remember later. So, um, I think that's just important as well. Oh, thank you, Heather, for sharing Mm -hmm. that. And for MMPS folks that are listening, um, we are super fortunate that our health center offers a lot of resources too. So I'll put the link, um, to that in the notes of this podcast, just so you guys have access to that. Yes. Work-life balance is important as well. (laughs) Yes, very, very much so. And so Heather, before we get into, um, The last question, Um, can you share with our listeners how they can contact you? Yes. So I'm on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is at Kids in the Stacks. So that's a great way to keep up with me and talk with me there, of course. So my email address is heather.west at mnps.org. I would love to receive some emails. One of my favorite things about Nashville librarians is that we're just so collaborative and friendly and I'm constantly getting emails of just, hey, here's the PowerPoint I created. Feel free to use it, adopt it, whatever you want. And then I try to do the same with different librarians. So um, I think let's just keep sharing our ideas and growing from each other. Oh, that that is excellent. Okay, and I'll put those links in the notes or that contact information in the notes as well. All right, Heather, so last question. Mm This podcast is called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians. But we also know it's really hard work. What advice do you have to school librarians, especially for those that want to change the perception of school libraries? You know, I think your teacher's perception of a librarian is going to be whatever you become. Like, they might have an old-school notion of what their librarian was like when they were little or what librarian they worked with in the past. But the only thing you can do is perform the best job that you can so that they start to see, oh, wow, I didn't know a librarian could help me in this way, or I didn't know a librarian, you know, could do this. Um, One of my favorite quotes professionally is by Steve Martin, and it says, uh, be be so good that they can't ignore you. So I think sometimes as librarians, we feel like um, classroom teachers put us on the back burner, and they have so many stresses. I don't forget what it was like to be a classroom teacher by any means at all, and I know that um, 
the library is not as important to them sometimes. So it's easy to feel discouraged and feel like what I'm doing doesn't matter. Nobody's taking advantage of me, but just keep doing it. Just keep being great because one day you'll just continue to be so great and you'll have this great idea and they won't be able to ignore you because they'll be like, you know what? I need that. <laughs> and they will use you. So that would be my advice. Heather, this was excellent and such a great way for all of us to start the new year. So thank you so much for your time. Um, listeners, if you liked what you heard today, please make sure that you um, subscribe to this podcast, rate it, give us feedback, and most importantly, share with a fellow educator friend. And happy 2020. And Heather, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. Don't judge a book by its cover.